This is the Spirit of Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Mather, and together with my producer, Rob Humphreys, it's with great joy that we bring you some inspirational stories and information to help you understand how spirituality is essential to your overall well-being. The wellness industry often overlooks spirituality, yet I believe it's key to understand that connecting mind, body and spirit is vital for holistic wellness and spirituality is at the heart of the equation. This journey begins within, so I sincerely hope that something will awaken within you and spark your curiosity to explore greater spiritual well-being. Thank you for joining us for this episode and we sincerely hope you enjoy it. Please subscribe and like, it's supposed to help. If you'd like to become a wellness coach like myself, I highly recommend the International Association of Wellness Professionals. You can find the link in the show notes below. A very warm welcome to you. And we are going to be starting a series of conversations. And today we're going to have a conversation about empty nesting. Now, in my opinion, when you talk, when you hear the word empty nesting, it sounds like there's a connotation, obviously with the word empty, you're left empty, right? And I have here with me today a very dear person and a friend, a beloved friend. Her name is Amanda. And we're going to have a conversation because both of us are experiencing empty nesting. We were having a conversation the other day and we're both our kids have left home and we were talking about what we're doing and it was really exciting. And we thought, let's, and I, so I said, can we have a conversation? Let's have a conversation about this and look at empty nesting because it does have that negative connotation, right? And because this podcast is about the spirituality of wellness um, and how we can use our spiritual practice and create our lives so that they're not empty. So Amanda, a very warm welcome. Thank you so much for joining our show today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Tanya. I thought we weren't doing this bit again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Thank God we can edit it all. <laughs> or not. Right, Rob? Yeah. So thank you, Tanya. I'm really happy to be here with my fellow empty nester. So I have three kids and my last child left home last August, aged 18. And I'm really happy to be having this conversation. I was looking up words which um, come up against alongside empty nesters and the words are quite horrific Words such as ransacked, <gasps> I know, vacant, blank, stripped, <laughs> stripped clean, void, bare. I mean, these are words which come up when you search for empty nesters. It's like, wow, yeah, that, that is something we really need to change. Absolutely. And it's not our reality. Absolutely. And, you know, it's really interesting because there's there's the archetype of the triple goddess. And I'm not sure if you know about it, but anyway, the first one is the maiden, so when you're young, and then the other one is the mother, and then it's the crone. And there's in the new definition of this, it's really it's the it's the maiden, 
the mother, the wild woman, and then the wise woman. And I really resonate much more with this sort of definition of this phase of our life because it's when our kids go away and instead of having all those doom and low energy words associated with this, it's almost like saying, okay, let's leave those shackles and the responsibility yeah. of what motherhood is. We've sacrificed our lives given the best years of our lives to this beautiful, joyful thing of creating these children who are now off, they've flown the nest. And what are we left with, with all these empty things? No, I think it's that wild woman of giving ourselves that permission to explore that next phase in our lives. And so for you, what have you experienced since, since your last daughter left home? What is it that you've encountered? Joy. <laughs> Um, and I know, if, I mean, if you look into this subject, they say there's three phases, the grief, the relief, and the joy. Yeah. And for me, there was grief, but it was very short-lived. I mean, I, I feel I've been preparing for this moment all my life mm. because I sort of thought it might come up. But I'll go into that later. But I, I felt grief momentarily, literally for one evening. And I really think in life, and I think about this a lot, how we measure our fitness. When we go to the gym, our physical fitness is measured by how quickly we, we recover ourselves. So we feel the pain, we feel the resistance, but how quickly we go back to our norm is our fitness. I think that in our spiritual life, we're not, we will suffer, we might feel the grief. It might come before or during or after they've gone. But how quickly we recover ourselves back to our norm is our fitness. Yeah. And so that stays with me a lot. I did suffer, but momentarily. So I feel proud that I can recover quickly. Yeah. How about you? Well, I think I, th I spent, my daughter first left and she went for three months to the state. She took a gap year and it was on her 18th birthday. She was not at home. I was alone and I had a day where I cried all day. But it was a kind of, you know, once you've got a spiritual practice and once you know that you need to really get in touch with those feelings, in, because what happens is that sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we're in an age where it's like the feelings are not functional. It's like, you know, you're not supposed to tap into the feelings, push them under the cupboard or under the, or under the carpet or wherever you're going to hide those feelings. What happens is that when we hide them, then we open that cupboard or we open, lift up the carpet and it's, they're still there. So that one day I just permitted myself completely to, to really allowing those tears to fall because I know that there's a beautiful poem and I think I've mentioned it in another episode where there's a beautiful Sufi poem where the tears that we drop that come down our cheek are really raindrops that are going to land in our heart to plant They're raindrops for our new garden to grow. Beautiful. And so, you know, we are aquatic beings. We are 70% or 75% water. You know, we do allow these, you know, when you go to the gym, we sweat, right? So that that's allowing that to recycle our aquatic being. And those that water holds the memory. So allowing those tears in that moment was just like, oh, just allowing those tears to fall. I was, I was 
drinking them because they were salty. It's like, wow, salty. And there was just that feeling of like, I felt the pain in my heart. I was remembering all the good moments. And once I really got into depth with those, that, that feeling, then it was over. And I think that's really important to say, okay, I've mourned. I've, I've had that pain where, you know, you, you feel that it's now, what am I going to do? You know, my whole life for 20 years has been dedicated to bringing up a, sure. a person. And, and really that's your focus um, primarily, obviously, whether you're working or not in, in between, but that, you know, you want to make sure that the child is, is well. And then when you see them, they're off and, are they? You start questioning: Are they going to be okay? Is everything good? And so there's a lot of stuff that is happening in that day. But then eventually, you know, I woke up the next morning and it's like, okay, I've mourned. I've had that day, and now what am I going to do? And I started decluttering. <laughs> Me, I mean, this is true in all my life. The thought is always worse than the reality, and I know that to be true in everything I do. Yeah. And so I, I could literally go back. 14, 15 years ago when I first thought, ah, this could be a problem. What will I do when my kids leave home? Oh, and that. that's actually why I started training. I thought, I even found a word, I want to be fulfilled. So I projected, oh, this is 14 years ago, I would like to be fulfilled. So my work started 14 years ago, preempting, will I be fulfilled when my kids leave home? I want to be, I hope I will be. What do I need to do now? So I really, I, started, I really started to change. I started training in NLP. It sent me on a path for my own fulfillment. NLP, hypnosis, EFT, all these things I was starting to put in place way back then. And if I did have tears before she left last August, it was the thought of her leaving. Yeah. The reality wasn't that bad. And it keeps reminding me the thought is worse than the reality. Yeah, be mindful of your thoughts. Yes. And yes. so what it is, is it's a change in perception. You know, you did a whole year of, of thank you for that, both of you doing the recordings of, of The Course in Miracles. And we know that, that it's about perception. So how do we see it? And I think it's that holding on to that, those feelings of sadness and then saying, okay, I can experience the sadness and hold on to those negative ones. But we know that, to, you know, we want to raise our vibration in everything we do. So how can I find the joy, as you mentioned yes. before, of being able to find something that I am even just interested in that will pique my interest? Because maybe I love that you've been doing this for 14 years preparing. I didn't. I didn't think about it. But I've been doing so many things because I'm just naturally curious about a lot of things. So I've done that so that when this time comes, I'm fulfilled and I feel that fulfilled because it's completely the antithesis of the empty that is of the empty nesting yes. syndrome. I think it's I think it's looking at something that you know. I'm I'm thinking about a listener who is perhaps if you're listening and thinking, but I don't. What what can I do now? It's like I think a really good suggestion is to find something that you're minimally interested in. And also, you know, when I do my coaching, I always ask people, well, what did you do when you were a child? What was it that that gave you that moment that would bring that joy that you were talking about? Like that joy. What is it even? So go out, have a look, find, you know, what it is that makes you buzz, that gives you that feeling that puts a smile on your face. You don't have to be good at it because this is the beautiful thing about it is that you can try a hobby and, you know, you don't have to be an expert at it. You can just enjoy it. I completely agree. And the the thing I would say about that is, I mean, it's a beautiful time for self-discovery. It really is. I mean, we, I know we've both been on that path for many years, 
But when the kids actually do leave home, it's a really beautiful time because you really are left alone with your thoughts. And what I notice with myself is I really catch excuses. I'm really like onto them. I'm onto my excuses. Because whereas when we have our kids, we might be saying, oh, I'll, I'll learn that new skill when my kids leave home or I'll, start, I'll lose weight or I'll go to the gym or I'll travel when my kids leave home. We might be saying that when our kids leave home. Are we still saying that? I mean, I just watch for excuses. I'm really onto them. I watch them like a hawk because I want to, I want to bring them up and I don't want to use them. I do not want to use them. So yeah. it's, a, it's another um, period of our life where we can really go into our discomfort. I've been wanting to travel all these years. Now my kids have left home. You know, am I really going to travel? What's my next excuse? Yeah. I love that. What do you think about, you know, we we have certain values when we are being our mother, when we bring the mother, right? Or being the partner. In our case, we are both empty nesters without a partner. And our next episode is going to be with Tippy, with another beautiful, and we were going to bring her along, but I think that would be too much. So our next episode is going to be how you can rekindle your relationship, because that's something that, but that's not what we're going to be talking about today. What we want to talk about today is, is having a look and seeing what it is that perhaps revisiting your values. What is it that you value? And perhaps going along those lines and just spending time with yourself. And I love what you're saying about really observing your thoughts. What is it? What is the internal dialogue? What is this dialogue that we're having with ourselves? And what is it that these excuses that we're making for not doing this? It's, you know, say you want to start pottery. And it's like, I'll never, I'll never be able to do that. Or I'm useless at that. I've never done. It's like, why don't you just try and see what it's like? Yeah, exactly. Because we both know that the magic is in our discomfort. Yes. So, and we both follow that big fat arrow. It's like this way, this way. To, to the magic, so... Because the discomfort is, that's where there's might, might be residing some fear or reluctance, Absolutely. maybe a past trauma, and it's beyond that where that freedom and that space for joy can happen, right? Absolutely. And then you feel, wow, I've, I've conquered that. I've actually yes. gone through that. Instead yes. of just having that as a big fat wall that is standing in front of you and you're just bumping your head against it, it's like, wait a minute, I'm just going to see if I can just gently sort of pick away at this and then finding a hole and seeing what's on the other side and then going through and trying something different and being courageous. Yes, Absolutely. And it brings me to think about being a role model. I think for me that's really important. What I'm doing now, how I'm navigating through this, I sort of know that my kids are watching. I mean, they don't show that much interest in me. (laughs) But subconsciously they're looking in my direction. And whatever I'm doing now, I'm hoping that subconsciously when they come to this stage in their life, they will also, you know, follow their fears, take risks, find the joy, find their passion. Because, well. Yeah, because if we think about it from their perspective, if they're looking at us and seeing we're sitting moping around at home and sad, it's not doing them any good. And we know as parents that we can tell them something, but if we're doing the opposite, they're not gonna yes. they're not gonna do it. And it's really by our actions and they will emulate our actions. And so I love what you're saying that by us doing this, it's almost giving them permission when they reach this time 
to do that as well. And I've, I'm noticing this with my daughter because I'm going into like I'm discovering and doing all sorts of things. We started up the podcast and doing all, all the, a lot, lot of fun things. And she's almost doing a lot of fun things as well is because it's almost giving her an indirect permission to also discover herself because she's going into a new phase in her life. And how do we navigate going into these transitions? Because there's a lot of change that's happening in our world. And it's really, and I love the the Chinese word change because it means one part is Actually, it's the word crisis, sorry, crisis. And sometimes when we get into the, you know, this phase of our life or when there is change, we go into the crisis. And that crisis word in Chinese is one part is danger, but the other one is opportunity. So Uh if we stay in the danger side and we're fearful because that's where the fear is and like, I can't do this because it's too dangerous or because I can't travel or because there's the fear that comes up. But how about if we look at that as the part of that opportunity? What opportunities do I have now? Everybody's situation is different, but I think it's really tapping in within you and saying, now is the time. We only have one life. How are we going to live this beautiful time in our life? And I think aging, when we get to this part, is aging is something that is really challenging and quite difficult because maybe our body isn't moving as well. You know, we go through menopause. Maybe we look in the mirror and we're not as young and youthful as we used to be. And so what can we do? I know that you said earlier on, you've just signed up for a gym. So what is it that you're doing like on a daily basis that keeps you young and happy and gorgeous as you are? (laughs) I, I think on a daily basis, and it goes back to what we spoke about before, it's this self discovery. It's, it's slowing down as well. It's presence in what I do, it's acknowledging what comes up. I mean, we're speaking about joy and relief and all these things, but there's other emotions which come up. Like, for example, something I've always liked to do and I feel I can do more is travel. Mm. And I've been traveling a lot. So what comes up is, am I traveling too much? Because my kids are starting to to comment like, oh, so then guilt comes up. Am am I traveling too much? Am I having too much fun? Am I... (laughs) It's like, and then, so we spoke about permission, giving ourselves permission to, to have fun. But what I've noticed in myself is, is there a limit in what I think is too much? Mm. Because other people start to comment. And then, so what comes up is guilt. Am I not prioritizing the kids? They've commented on this. Oh, I've gone back into guilt. So I've been, so I work, I'm working on a daily basis on things which do come up. It's on the negative aspects which come up. And that's why I say the self-discovery is so important. Mm. Have you found that with your journey? I think initially, I think initially it was, but now I think for me is just seeing how well my daughter's doing, that she's independent, she can make her own decisions. And that's what we really want. So then I'm able to do what I want to do. And I've created a year where it's not quite a year yet, but it's just saying, okay, what do I really want to do with this last phase of my life? What is it that drives me? What is it that brings me the passion? What is it that brings me this joy? And so I'm working on this project at the moment, which is, it's just occupying my time. And it's, and so instead of being stuck in what is happening, I'm just inspired So the inspiration that is coming. And I think what happens is that for us to have that creative creativity is not to be in a stressful situation. So if women who are in that 
phase of still being sad and having the guilt and those kind of experiences, I think what happens is that it it prevents you from really being able to have a clear vision of tapping and tapping into what you really want to do and what your life's mission is. It's like, what do you want to do now? Because we can bring joy to others simply by being in joy ourselves. I think that's where I'm at. It's I'm, I'm living very much in the present, enjoying the present moment, but also creating a future of what I, where my next step is. So I'm packing up my home, I'm going to be renting it, and then I want to travel as well. And I want to go and find and explore um, different avenues. And so it's exciting. I kind of like, I feel that it's it's almost water is my is my guide and water is guiding me. So it's almost as though there's something higher than myself that we're co-creating. And I think that's within the spirituality when we do have that connection to something that's higher. It's not only a mental decision of what we're going to be doing. It's more of a sitting there and saying, okay, waiting for that inspiration to come. And it's working with a divine feminine. And we're going back to that wild woman again, where you know, allowing ourselves and giving us ourselves that permission to say, yes, I'm, this is how much I'm traveling. And if they're judging whether it's too much, too little, and we go into that shame, it's like we have a look and it's like, no, giving ourselves the permission to do that. I think that's really important. Yeah. And not being looking at other people's judgments of, you know, because there is the change that's happening with us. And sometimes others are struggling with the change that we're doing, dealing with. And that we're 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 changing. So it's having that courage to be able to say, okay, this is the new me. And to like a snake or like a lobster, when they do take off the, their shell and something new comes up, permitting yourself, it's like that lotus flower that is blossoming and it's just no more layers coming, opening and opening and opening. And it's allowing ourselves to do that. Beautiful. I'm I'm just curious because the words we said at the beginning, the, the old way of thinking about empty nesters, ransacked, vacant, mm. bare. I'm just curious as to like where did that idea come from? How did did, did you look at your parents or your grandparents and how did they cope with empty nesting? I love your question. I think I think it's something to do with the fact that you know, look at how everything has changed in the last hundred years. Massive shifts. Look at what our mothers were like and how they were expected. You know, my mom was Spanish and she was expected, you know, she got married when she was 20, 26. And by that stage, she was already over the hill. In English, we say over the hill. <laughs> in Spanish, we say your rice is overcooked or you're just <laughs> going to be left dressing saints. You know, in the Catholic churches, they've got the, the saints and they've got little dresses and everything like that. So there's ladies who are just like dressing the saints. So it's like, don't get past that age. You've got to get married. You've got to have kids. And, you know, she wanted to study and she was, it wasn't expected of her to go to university. And so she pushed it on me. And so I think when we look at the generational shifts from one generation to another, that's why it's important to redefine these concepts because we're very different. The same concept that was valid for our parents or our mothers, I don't think it's the same. We're living such different times. And so I think this is why it's so important to redefine these concepts and redefine everything that is surrounded by it, not having those negative words that are coming up. However, having some self-exploration 
and that permission to be that wild woman. Who is it that I've always, I can dream and I can be who I want and give myself that permission. Was it even discussed with parents, with mothers, with grandparents? I don't think it, you know, people, nowadays we talk about energy, how we feel. People didn't talk about energy and how they felt and, you know, what their purpose was. They were just looking to have their basic needs met, food on the table. And we're evolving as a species. We are evolving. And so, yeah, thanks for that observation. It wasn't even a thing, you know, it was. I think you're right. It was a very external led um, living, surviving. Um, But whereas we are very much now into self-discovery and we've basically got too much time on our hands haven't we (laughs) (laughs) but if you look at you look at the advertising like that was going on in the united states like in the 60s you know the women were they had to be the perfect housewives they had to be you know the house had to be clean and you know you know you have the meal ready so that when your husband comes home and all those kind of things and that's beautiful but then What happens, there's nothing, you know, when you age, it's almost, you know, they want to put you eventually in an old age home. They want to hear, you're not useful anymore. There's that uselessness about you. And I think it's absolutely the opposite. I think it's now at this time of our age is that we have the wisdom. We have life experience. We have the wisdom. We have the know-how. We have a bigger cosmovision of things to be able to say, okay, how can I serve? Maybe it's just serving. How can I be of service to, even if it's just your small community around you? I think that's really important. I think it's really important. And I'm, I'm thinking as well as a child who's obviously parents went through that when I left home. As a child, I think you're often quite selfish. So I felt that when I'd left home, my parents' only source of pleasure was when I came home <laughs> <laughs> to visit or to bring my washing, or to arrive for dinner. Uh-huh. I just thought their existence was, you know, living for for me and my sister to come and visit. I mean, how how selfish is that thinking? Yeah. So I didn't have to contend with two parents. I mean, I had, I had both parents going off, traveling, discovering themselves, um, thinking about prioritizing themselves. I didn't go through that. So So my kids are going through a different experience to what I went through because I really did see myself as the source of their everything. So I'm just putting that out there as well. My children are not seeing me sitting at home waiting for them to come home for a visit. Hmm. So that changes as well, the um, the evolutionary idea yeah. of yeah. empty nesting. Yeah. It's interesting because my daughter is coming home and I'm going to be away. <laughs> <laughs> she comes home and I'm so when I communicated with her and I said to her you know I'm actually not going to be there and she says mom I'm big enough I can get an uber or I can get a bus or I can you know I'll be fine I can just leave me the keys in a place where I can find them and she was like totally okay about it brilliant and I love that and I think that that is something that is that brings me peace and I think that's important so that you know when when you're talking about you know you sitting having a mother that's sitting around waiting for you to come home and then that almost is a burden on the children as well. So we don't want to burden them with that. We want them to know that we're actually enjoying our lives, but we're still there. I'll be back, you know, I'll be there. And But, you know, the fridge will be full and you'll find a bunch of things. And <laughs> I'm just trying to think if I was actually felt burdened by my thinking my parents are waiting for me and I was thinking, no, I never... <laughs> Well, I, I never think, felt you know, burdened. When you're in your 20s or whatever it is, you're a kid. I think until you become a mother yourself, you don't really 
you're not you have no empathy for parents. Yeah. And yeah. we really lack empathy for our parents, especially our moms, until we become moms ourselves. And also, I mean, I also I knew my parents were together, so I didn't worry for them. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking if I thought my mother was alone or my father, I maybe would want them more to fly or yeah. take flight and discover. But I just, I guess I saw them as a couple, so yeah. they were taken care of. They yeah. had each other. Yeah. So I didn't feel I needed to worry about them. Yeah. Now, whether our kids worry more because they've left behind a single mum, I don't know yeah. if that's true, but interesting. Well, it is because it's, it's, you know, people who are married, they can, you know, with our conversation with Tippy is going to be how you can rekindle because a lot of the times, you know, the relationship gets, set, you know, put in, in the back burner kind of thing. And here we're looking at, you know, two of us having a conversation about two single women and their kids have gone and it's like, we're free <laughs> <laughs> to do whatever we want, you know. And I think what's important is to have a good financial base is to organize. I think that's really important. I think, you know, somebody who hasn't got a financial base to be able to have that freedom to do what they want. So to be able to do within within whatever your measures, whatever you can do and to try something new, you know, maybe even try a new job, you know, try something or do some training, a university or something that will stimulate your mind or get even get some help. I think people should get some help. You know, if you're struggling, I, I, fully believe in coaching or a counselor or whatever it is to get some help, you know, because it'll stop you from going from that sad point, help you get out of it and move you through that and to whatever it is that you're going to be doing. Exactly. Do you ever feel lonely? No, not at all. Actually, if I'm honest, if I can count the amount of times I've been alone since, you know, last August, so in the last nine months, it's it's not often. Mm. And I can choose to be alone, which is amazing. And I'm enjoying my alone time now. But really, for me, it, it could be every two weeks and then I'm doing something or I'm off or somebody's arriving, having house guests. So it's I've, I've found a really beautiful... Um, balance. Balance. Really beautiful <laughs> balance, which is working for me. So I'm, I'm thrilled yeah. so far. Yeah. I've experienced loneliness. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm alone. I've got my pets. They've kept me company. Yes. <laughs> Sounds that's, that, very that sad help. and cat lady uh, looking at my three cats. Um, there has been loneliness, but there again, when you do look at your loneliness, it's like instead of going into the negativeness of loneliness, it's saying, okay, here's an emptiness or here's a void where I'm feeling this. And then saying, okay, am I going to mull in it? Am I going to cook in it? And am I going to soak in it and say, oh, I'm lonely? And Or am I going to say, okay, I'm feeling this loneliness. Get in touch. Do something. So I'll get a book or I will create. I'm very creative. I've started doing a lot of creativity and doing a lot of other things. Or I'll write or I'll, yeah, even just surf the net and see what's there and look at countries and maybe where I can travel or what projects or I draw or something to fill that void. And I think that's really important is that when we are um, to have a hobby, to get something that we're really enjoying ourselves so that in those moments when you do feel that loneliness, when there isn't anybody to have a conversation with or even just pick up the phone. Sometimes I'll just pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? Or send a message, hey, do you want to chat? And we'll have a chat. And then you just break out of it. Exactly. I think loneliness drives you to take action. It, it often 
drives you out of the house. It drives you to connect, to yeah. socialise, to go out more, to yeah. do, join a gym, yeah. to volunteer for yeah. whatever. It, it, so it, it's it's often a, a really good um, driving emotion, sending you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's also it's also come to the point where I'm actually really enjoying being alone. And in that silence and stillness, and I'll put on some music or I'll dance or something like that, where I am alone, but I'm enjoying it much more, which is kind of dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I want to be alone all my life, you know, but that's, it's just being in the present moment. This is where I'm at. Who knows what tomorrow brings? Exactly. And I always think this too shall pass. I think that a lot. I live my life by that. This emotion shall pass the good ones and the bad ones. And then we can bring ourselves to the idea that our kids will come home for summer, for for Christmas. They'll come home, we'll spend three months with them, we'll get used to them again. And then the emotion of grief may come up again. It's uh, that it's not, we we haven't made it, you know, now we're, we're feeling joy. That is forever in that emotion. We might go back into grief after the summer holidays. Another saying I like a lot is be grateful for your highs and gracious for your lows. I love that. They come and they go. Mm. They come and they go. My yoga teacher would always say, this too shall pass. So you're busy in a downward dog and your legs are trembling or whatever (laughs) you are in position, you know, in asana that you're in. And it's like, this too shall pass. You breathe through it. And I think breathing, doing some breath work. So that you can, because for me, the breath is the anchor to the present moment, right? So if we are in those situations is to also maybe take up some meditation so that when that happens is that you can get in touch from a place of serenity and look at those emotions with tenderness and self-compassion, really, and, and be there for you. Give yourself a hug. I've done a lot of that. So I'll just literally hug myself. And say, it'll be okay, you know, and I'll meditate or I'll do something that will change it. But it's really holding that space for ourselves and being there for ourselves. Because that gives, I feel that it's given me huge strength. Because I know I'm that now I am here for myself. And I've learned that. Because it feels that I've been there for my daughter all of these years. And I'm on the back burner. I've been the one sort of, okay, I'll do that. I've got to work. I've got to do this and everything. But it was really focused on being a mom and, and you know, bringing up, bringing up, being the responsible mom. <laughs> it's an interesting point you raise, the, the idea of self-soothing. Because when we've always got family around us, we may look to others to help us feel better. We look to the external. And we think our, um, our well-being is coming from the other person in the house. So when you have nobody else in the house, apart from your cats and dogs, we may even think, attribute our well-being to them, you start to look at ways of self-soothing. So as you say, you can look at breath work and meditation. There's so many techniques we can use. Um, I like to sing. Ah. I was told when I was, I got kicked out of the choir. Me too. When I was young, did you? Me too. Really? How I funny. got kicked out of the choir, and um, and then I did a singing, kind of a uh, harmonic singing, and I remember I had to sing, and the guy was like looking at me, and it was like, okay, I, I I don't know how to sing, so it's been a big frustration, and I always go to what I can't do, so I've spent, I've been obsessed for the last two or three years about you know getting my voice, and what I've realized is I can't follow a tune, so I just I just do my chanting. And I sing, I've got a Shruti box and I just sing. And what it does is that it, it, it stimulates your vagus nerve, which is the one that relaxes and restores you. 
And so even just chanting three ohms, because you'll feel the vibration in your heart and it always brings you out of your head and into your heart. And then from that place, that's where we can be tender with ourselves, that we can have that compassion. We can't have a compassion if we're in our head because we're thinking, oh, this should be like this or this should be like that. It's like, get rid of the shoulds. Get rid of the have-tos. Get rid of all those kind of things that we feel are our obligation as human beings that, and as women that we should do and just say, okay, this is where I'm at. Acknowledgement and an acknowledgement of where you're at at that moment in time, being peaceful, taking a breath and saying, I'm here. And if it's an uncomfortable one, being gracious, as you say, I love that, being gracious and giving yourself the time to really mull in that a little bit, but not for too long, move on, and then create, because we are co-creators. We can create, and this is when we tap into a lot of the work that we've done with Dr. Joe Dispenza, right, where we are superhuman beings. We can create with a, co with a universe, but if we think, do it from the place where we've been doing it previously, we need to learn how to do it from a place in the quantum world that we're living in at the moment and tapping into that. Um, so how do you put all of that work that we learned with Joe Dispenza um, into your daily activities and where you want to go and what you want to create? First of all, I just I can't believe you got kicked out of the choir. <laughs> I just did not know that about you. That's that's like my sob story as a as a child. Do you chant then? In private, because okay. I just thought I couldn't sing. So okay. I was told to leave the choir. They detected as somebody singing out of tune in a in a chorus of people by a process of elimination. I was the last person standing, and she's like, "Who let you into the choir?" So my mother had to go in and actually help me to get out of the choir. Oh. Um, so I have so many childhood memories of sitting in the back of the car with my sister, all doing when you do harmonies, yeah. always getting lost, always somebody having to support me on my part of the harmony. So I just find that so funny that, and I like what you said about going back to your childhood. What did you enjoy doing? Mm. Because maybe I did enjoy singing, but I was told that I, I can't sing. Mm. Funnily enough, my daughter's a singer, so beautiful. the irony there. I'm very careful of what I what I give time to in my thinking. I'm I'm very um, present. I guess is the only thing I can say. I'm very present to what I spend time or what I allow into my into my thoughts because I believe our thoughts create our reality. So through the years, I've just had a discipline of maybe not also listening to my thoughts. I I don't give them attention. I don't fuel them. I don't feed them. Before, I thought if it entered into my head, it was a truth and I acted on it. Mm. I didn't know thoughts came and went, that maybe they're not my thoughts, maybe they're, you know, it's, it's the energy, it's, it's whatever. I just thought every thought I had, I acted on. But I don't think that now. And I actually, I think I ignore a lot of my thinking. Mm. Uh, and it passes, it passes through. Yeah. I love that you've mentioned this because... A lot of the times when a thought comes up and I, I listen to the thought and it's like, that's my old self thought. Yeah. That's a kind of yeah. a thought that is that was now, that doesn't resonate with who I want to be now and who I'm choosing to be in a future. So that is very important to look at that and listen to, that you ignore them because we know that those brain cells are firing together, they're wired together. So when we continually have those thoughts we're keeping building on that bridge 
So it's just, oh, that's an old, that's an old thought. Okay, I, we don't do that anymore. And so we just, uh, that, exactly. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Exactly. We don't do that thought and just move on. And trying to create new thoughts. Yes. And those new thoughts, as you say, are what we think is creating our reality and yes. what we see. And so, yeah, just being very meticulous and careful about where our thoughts are on a, on a daily basis. Yes. And I think that also extends to who you spend time with. Mm-hmm. Um, they all often say you are a you are what do they say? You are a, a sum of the five people you hang out with. I can't yes, remember exactly. Yeah. So what bring what comes to mind is be careful on who you hang out with and look at your tribe. Look who you're hanging out with. So that's really important always, but especially when your your children have left home. Who are your tribe? Are, you, are they like-minded? Do they elevate you? Mm. Do you have the same beliefs? Are they adventurous? Are they fun? Are they? Mm. Do they have something that you don't have that you want so you can hang out with them in terms of a different perspective? Or I love that because you know a lot of a lot of our friends that we developed are probably moms, you know, of our kids' friends, yes. or we meet at the schools, or you know, we're our social circle. Whereas once our kids leave home, we might choose to say okay maybe I don't want to really hang out with that person so much more anymore and maybe let's make some new friends but it's also because those people are going to keep you in that dynamic in a dynamic that perhaps it's not giving you that permission to see things in a different way or to enter into a different you know ambit of life where there's other people who express themselves in different ways who permit themselves and it's going to that so it's who we hang out with and I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious from Rob, the man around the table, whose kids are still at home. Is this a subject which concerns you? Are you doing anything now to help yourself when your kids leave home? No, I've worked out that by the time they leave home, I'm going to be a dribbling idiot. So, <laughs> uh, infirm and incontinent. So it's not an issue that's ever going to affect me in the same way, I don't believe. Rob, please don't create that future for yourself. <laughs> I don't believe it. You're still going to be doing walking rugby. But this time, you, at that stage, you'll, you will be walking and you won't be running like everybody else. <laughs> isn't, isn't there a place in what you've said for just vegging out in front of the telly as well? You've talked a lot about being busy, being active, keeping your mind going. But there is a place for just sitting and watching a series on the telly, isn't there? I, mean, I think we can have it all. If you want to watch some episodes of Netflix, you know, in your daily life, I, I don't think you you have to stop doing that. But I think we can have it all. And I would look, if you're doing that all the time, I would look for the excuse behind why you're not having another type of life. Hmm. But I wouldn't eradicate every single form of entertainment. Yeah. I think if you're sitting binging every single night, that's... That's a problem. That's because then you're just being entertained, entertained by something or somebody else. Um, I watched a beautiful movie last night and I realized that when I'm watching these movies, what is it that makes me cry? And I always get stuck when there's a beautiful emotional and there's a couple and they're in love and that's when I just start crying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's still my trigger point. 
That's a trigger point. So I it, I use kind of use it for entertainment purposes, but I also use it to observe myself. Where is it that there's still pain in my life? And then, of course, I go where the pain is, which I'm still in that process. Because it, it's an interesting point. How how do men suffer or um, evolve through this process mm. compared to women? If it's different, if it's the same. Men suffer all the time. We just don't like to talk okay. about it. <laughs> I don't know if men suffer all the time. I think, you know, men, it's interesting that, you know, we, we're looking at women as a woman perspective because I presume that most of the audience and people who are listening in are primarily women or not, maybe, but a lot of the subjects are sort of, you know, spirituality. You'll find that the majority of the people are always women, mostly in whatever it is that we do. There's more participants within, you know, women who are women. Um, but I wonder if it affects men in the same way. I mean, I do remember because this we're just going to go into spe pure speculation here. <laughs> well, no, because I did read something, but I'm trying to think. It was a little bit inconclusive. It was about how, there was a difference. It okay. did say that. I mean, don't quote me. Maybe we'll talk about it with pe with a uh, yes, with, with Tippy. Tippy. <laughs> but, but it's just out of interest. There was a difference. I think because women are more emotionally attached to their kids. Mm. Whereas men tend not to be yeah. I mean, stereotyping. Yeah. Um, so women can um, process it quicker and they get out of their system more. Men tend to hold it more and it can come out later. Whereas women tend to have a slightly um, shorter um, grieving process. Mm. And women obviously probably talk to their friends and they talk about it and they come on podcasts and talk about it. Whereas men like Rob yeah. showed us, so does not, will not connect with the subject. <laughs> So there's another there's another aspect of something that I was when I was looking up and you know just because I really wanted to just have a conversation the two of us but I looked up a couple of things and one of the things that is a, a an issue is this boomerang generation and I know that here in Spain we've got a, a, a thing that's called the generation nini nini which means ni estudian ni trabajan so they don't work or they don't study they're doing nothing because they think if they're going to go and get a d degree, then they'll get out and, the, you know, the unemployment rate is so high in here in Spain. So they think, why get a degree if you're going to get a degree and then you're not going to be employable anyway? And so they're just hanging out at home. And even one of the Spanish authors, she wrote a book on, you know, these how-to series, you know, and how to get rid of your children once they finished high school. So there's that aspect as well, is that there's a boomerang generation where there are people who have, you know, your kids when they lose their jobs or when they've maybe had a divorce and then they've got to come back, they come back home. But, you know, I'm working out where my home is now. I'm going to be flying my nest. <laughs> And so it's almost like I'm interested to see what that would look like if if that were to happen in a in a future. I don't think my daughter is wired that way, but there, it's a situation of yes, like you know yeah. we and we get a little bit of a taster when our kids come home for holidays, and you know you have your space, you've got everything, and then suddenly I remember when I went home and you know I would pull my dad's charger and I would you know pull out the plug he would come home have his routine he'd get his beer he'd get his nuts he'd sit down read time magazine and then he'd turn on the light and then you know he'd turn around and the light wasn't it's like why didn't you plug it back in kind of thing <laughs> those tiny little things that you have your little habits when you are without the kids and then they come back and it's like they fill a lot of space again and you kind of have to readjust yes 
but you know that it's temporary. So what if it's, well, everything passes, but I mean, imagine having a kid that they lose their job and then they've got to come back in and you've got, suddenly got to, do you fall into that mother role again? Or, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm just pure speculation again at this stage. I just think for me in my life, I feel I thrive when I can be adaptable. So I think mm. the word adaptable um, springs to mind. Also, I know we're all followers of A Course in Miracles, and that very simply always states everything is a call for love or to be love. And I would just hope if that happens to me, I can be in a position where I can be love, be adaptable, but also stay true to my journey, my passions, my path. I think it's a juggling act. and I don't mm. think we ever get there. I think it's always we're in a percentage of looking out for somebody else or ourselves. And I just think our we can thrive if we find the balance of um, bringing all of these values into, mm. into the picture. Mm. And perhaps even if we've given ourselves that permission to change, it will inspire our children to also say, okay, if I've lost my job and I've been doing this for, what, 10 years of my life or 15 or whatever, and or they've been in a marriage, it's like, well, rediscover yourself applying the knowledge that we've been able to put into practice in this and to say, okay, be there to support them and just, you know, be present to whatever arises. And I think that is, in life in general, it's like such a good rule of thumb. It's like, okay, we're doing this now. I often have a conversation with universe, whatever you want to call it, God, universe. And it's like, okay, we're doing this now. And it's like observing self, the big self, the big capital self. How is self handling this in this point in time? And then that's why I think a spiritual practice and a spiritual, um, having a spiritual practice and being connected with something that is greater than ourselves supports us in anything that life can throw us. I think as well, what comes to mind is how creative can we be? Because we, we're following a lot of norms here. But like, if we could do anything or be anything, even with our kids, and we're not being traditional family, you know, units. What could we do in that situation? Mm. And just be really creative. I mean, you could be going on, a, if, if, if your financial means allow, you could be going on a gap year with your, your daughter. Or There's just so many other creative things. Yeah. You could be going to a spiritual retreat, going on a silent retreat with, with them. Yeah. Just doing things you never had a chance to do when they were growing yeah. up. I mean, that would be a really nice thing to do. Yeah. You could take the opportunity and think, wow, I've got my child back for... A, whatever, a year, six months, what can we really do to fill that time and be really creative? That would be fun as well to think like that. And also discovering your children as they evolve and adapt. And so you're, we're new people, you know, if they've gone away for three months, I remember her coming back and it's like, wow, okay. <laughs> it's like, all right, this is, this is who she is now. And you see the, 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 the subtle changes. And they probably see the subtle changes in ourselves when we do that as as we evolve in this redefining empty nesting and coming together and having that flexibility. And I love what you're saying as well about having a different mindset about it yes. so that this is the way that maybe I would just by default going into this kind of behavior and this kind of pattern of thinking or whatever. And it's like having that ability to self-correct adjust, observe, observe oneself, and then saying, hmm, can I do this differently? And say, okay, well, let's have a little bit of fun and do it this way. Let's sprinkle a little bit of, you know, fun yes. into it and say, 
can we do it in a different way? And to adventure out and giving yourself that permission, because I really think that's at the core of it, is to give yourself that permission to think in a different way, to do something differently, to try something and have that courage to do that. Yes. So the word empty nester, does that need to go? Or can we find a place where we can just shine our love and light on that word? You know, it's so interesting because that, that was something that I was looking at. You know, there's, there's actually in Spain, there's a guy who's, who's recreated all these new words in the language because they're concepts that are no longer valid. We need a new word because there's that charge around that word. So when we look at the word empty nester, it does have that negative connotation. And I've looked extensively to see if there's any other word that can be remotely can substitute it. And there's nothing really. It's like flying the empty nest or whatever it is, but I think, or fulfilling the empty nest, but you still have that empty. So it's fulfilling the nest, your nest, perhaps. I don't know. There's a nice play on words with the bird idea as well, because looking into it and speaking to people, people like to give a different angle on a different type of bird. And the one which seems to come up a lot is eagle, emerging eagles. Phoenix comes up a lot as well, rising. I love that because in shamanism, one of the things that we do is is there's the eagle and we ask the eagle to help us have that vision from the sky so we have a better vision. It's almost as though we can detach ourselves from that situation and have that vision, that vision of the eagle that can see everything. You can have a broader vision of that without getting too sucked into your personal situation. And I think it requires a lot of change for ourselves and saying we we are willing to change the way we've been doing things for you know the last 20 or 30 years so just following on from you eagles symbolize freedom dignity with grace as you say they have a clear vision and a soaring spirit they're courageous and they stretch limits flying high and remind us to look at things from a new higher perspective The eagle brings the message of renewed life because it is associated with the east winds, the direction of spring, dawn and rebirth. They are seekers willing to push the limits of self-discovery. I thought that was nice. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And it's the wings. Picking up your wings and being able to fly again. Yes. And there's something quite sweet about when you study baby eagles, because I thought, and I used to quote this in my coaching, about how the mother eagle pushes the baby eagle over the side. It doesn't know how to fly, but in the free falling, it learns. Mm. So I used to use that in my coaching. But reading about them further, the baby eagle does a lot of pre-work before it flies. It opens its wings. It feels it. it you, you see the baby eagle. It's stretching its feathers. It's cleaning its feathers. It's it's practicing, and it, yeah. the way it, it's been practicing before it can even fly. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's something in time, giving ourselves the time. So you, I love that you've been preparing yourself for 14 years for this moment. So you're well prepared. Um, I've been doing stuff until now. And so I still also feel, I do feel that preparedness, but it's also having that time, giving myself the time 
without that pressure of, you know, I'm decluttering. You should see what my office looks like. I've got stuff all over the place because I'm pulling out things from the cupboard. And it's like, do I, I'm doing a Marie Kondo to my house and to my life. It's like, <laughs> does this shirt still resonate with me with this new self that 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 is that is transforming and allowing ourselves to to transform and giving ourselves that time because it's also painful there's like memories it's like do I need to hold on to these shoes that were worn by my daughter when she was two and do I really need to keep them (laughs) why does she want them I've still got the little Moses basket the cot of my of my kids I'm still holding on to that yeah so I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I think there's certain things, if it can be a small amount of things that we can hold on to. Because, And what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be pulling out all the things that I have and showing them to my daughter and saying, do you want this? Because I remember the one time there was a fire scare and I got into a panic and I thought, what, ha- what happens if the fire comes here and we've got to pack up our things and go? And I was so surprised. My daughter came out. She had a small box and she said, I'm ready. And I'm like... You're ready? That's all you would take? Yeah, it's essentials. I'm fine. And I'm like panicking because what will I take of the whole household? What do I want to take with me? What is really important to me? So this process of decluttering, I think, is essential because it it creates space for something new to come in as well. Do you think as well, a few people have said this to me, um, when they left home to go to university, the parents renovated their bedroom so that therefore when they came home they didn't feel they had a place anymore do you think that's relevant do you th- how would you um navigate through that well it's interesting because i've um i'm fixing the house up to rent so that i can go so i'll be able to get a renter and then i, I pack up my things and go so i'm creating the place so that it's rent rentable and in that time i've changed my daughter's room yes and you know there's a, there was a big mirror and it faced her bed. And so I just covered it up and I left a small circle for the mirror so that when you're standing, you can do it. So you're not looking, it's not good feng shui anyway. So I just did some artwork and I created it. And then when she came home, it was like, that's not good for my narcissistic self. <laughs> and I wasn't, wasn't quite sure whether to be really concerned about that or she's got this dry sense of humor. So I'm hoping that it's just in, in humor. But it's coming home to a place, but she's ha- she has an understanding that this is what is happening. And it's also a future business for her if I'm not around. So it's she's understand she has this understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so she's kind of going with a flow. But I think it's good for them as well because they're not coming back to the same kind of exactly the same bedroom as they were before. It's giving them an opportunity to be somebody else. I mean, we can always look at things in a negative or a positive way. Yes. It's, it's how we look at things and I think it's helping them sort of, if they're struggling coming home to a different bedroom and it's all changed, that, you know, it's like, okay, what's going on here for you? And have a, have a conversation because at that stage they get old enough to be able to have like an adult conversation, what's coming up for you. It's like, okay, all right, maybe I should have consulted. And we yes. we learn, we learn. But at okay. least it's still her room. My friends have told me that they've left home and they've converted the room into something else, an office or, a, you know, a meditation oh. studio. That that was a little bit harsher. <laughs> I mean, they literally don't have a place to go. A little bit of an annihiling. It's like, you know, you're gone. not welcome home know, anymore. We've moved on. <laughs> we'll get an air mattress for you when you come home. <laughs> so, Amanda, tell me, um, what else do you think that you could maybe give some advice to future... 
I'm going to use the word empty nester, but it's like, what can we use? What can be there? Anyway, what, what other things that you think that has helped you along the way that would help others? As we've been having this amazing conversation, I'm just, I'm sitting here in gratitude, in gratitude that that word has been carried through the generations by our grandparents and great-grandparents, where maybe there was suffering, there was lack, there was um, a, a hole left behind. And I'm just sitting here in gratitude that we don't live the life that they lived, that mm. we don't fall into uh, that void, that we do rise, we rise like the phoenix. I'm just, all I can say is gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude that we can live, we live a longer life, we live a healthier life, where we live a life of um, well-being. Um, so I'm just grateful yeah. that we can do that. And I'm grateful for the path that our ancestors walked as well, that, help, uh, that helped us get to where we are now. I love that. And I think in any moment in time, in any distressful moment in time, um, is finding what we can be grateful for, even though it might be a potentially disastrous situation. You know, maybe people who haven't got an economy, you know, that maybe like then they can find a creative way to find, you know, an economic stability to be able to do what they want to do or to physically, you know, start going to the gym and doing something to feel better, uh, maybe doing something to, you know, natural um, anti-aging or something that is that is really going to you know, just make you happy and then find the gratitude and saying, I'm grateful in this because it's an opportunity to make a change in, in our lives. And, you know, the world is changing really, really fast. And I know that there are a lot of people struggling, you know, because I think there's an old world and there's a new world evolving and, and growing. And how can we change so that we are those people who are changing and who are making this world a better place and so that we work on ourselves because it's an inside job the other day I gave a talk about spirituality and I came to the conclusion that it's really it is, is an inside job it's a personal something really personal so spending time with yourself and having that time with yourself and and being compassionate and allowing yourself to smoothly navigate the changes I love the, the, the paradox there in that it is um, a journey of self-discovery, but also when you can start using the collective we, so you, you are connecting to your tribe, you're connecting to all the other people going through this. It's not I am going through this. Yeah. The, the we, the collective, you become very compassionate to others going through it. Um, it's just a very healthy outlook mm. when it's not just the I yeah. It's the we. Mm. We we can do this. We're doing this yeah. together. And it's also, you know, going back to those feelings of loneliness that I had. And I remember doing a video not so long ago. And it was about loneliness. And loneliness is really a feeling. And we can change those feelings. We can change that. And that's having that power to say, okay, I'm, in, I'm finding myself in a situation at the moment that this is what I'm experiencing. I'm not enjoying what I'm experiencing. So let's change the thoughts around it and we can change the experience yes. around it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Thank Amanda. You. I've Thank loved you. having this conversation and to all of you who are out there, be courageous, find something really joyful to do so that it's not an emptiness so that you can fly and you can have that eagle's vision and yeah, enjoy this next phase of your life and become purposeful and useful. Amazing. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you.
Well, we hope that you enjoyed that as much as we did. Again, thank you so much for taking time out in your precious day to join us. Contact me if you're interested in individual coaching or curious about my bespoke transformational retreats and journeys in Spain. My website is thrivewellnessjourneys.com and on Instagram, I'm Tanya Wellness. You can find all the links in the show notes. My life was totally transformed through my training as a wellness coach. So if you're interested in becoming a holistic wellness coach like myself, I highly recommend the IAWP. The link is in the show notes and they'll provide you with a free student starter kit. And if you enroll in their course, we'll benefit and it helps keep our podcast alive. I'd also like to mention that Rob runs an audio production company. He records people's life stories that you can hear the voice of your loved ones, even when they have left this physical realm. Imagine how cool that is. A real family treasure. Please feel free to share this podcast and we wish you a beautiful day.